0: Computer, initialize Holosuite. suite Where we analyze, discuss, and review randomly selected Star Trek episodes. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host Matt. And this week, we're back on the floating bicycle wheel, Deep Space Nine, for Rapture. Matt, how are you doing today?
1: I'm doing all right. Uh, this is episode six. For... Yeah, we're kind of cruising
0: along. We're almost in the double digits, so oh. that'll be uh, that'll be an exciting time when we hit big Ten 1-0-10. Yeah, for sure. Uh, have you been up to anything uh, new and exciting as of late recently? Just uh, randomly watching Star
1: Trek episodes. Oh
0: huh? Cool. Cool. How about you? Um, well, as uh, you may know, I uh, play Star Trek online, and um, I just kind of recently reached a like level fifty and uh level 50 was kind of like when they started introducing like new uh packages so like new story stuff unlock and stuff like that so yeah. um I, th- I recently just unlocked the delta quadrant one so it's all about like voyager and stuff and they've like found a way to get back to the delta quadrant so you can like go through this time warper thing and so currently right now i've been like flying around like meeting up with like neelix and see what he's up to and like See what Seven and Nine is doing and stuff like that. And they actually got, like, Ethan Phillips and Jerry Ryan and stuff like that to do the voices. So oh, wow. it's been pretty cool. Um, but other than that, no, I've just been, yeah, gobbling up random Star Trek episodes. Sounds glamorous. Indeed. So this week we're back on Deep Space Nine for Season 5, Episode 10, um, Rapture. The original air date was December the thirtieth, nineteen ninety six, with guest stars Louise Fletcher as Kai Wynn, Penny Johnson as Cassie Yates, Ernst Perry Jr. as Admiral Watley, and Mark Allen Shepard as Morn. I guess yeah, he would be a—he's a guest star, right? We'll give him credit. We'll give him credit. When, when we <laughs> he was We might have to uh, mention him a bunch of times, but yeah, he—he's uh, a regular, pretty much. Um, it was written by L.J. Storm and directed by. Jonathan West. So, in this installment, Benjamin Sisko has convinced the Cardassians to return a 20,000-year-old painting of the Bajoran lost city of Atlantis, or, I mean, Bahala, uh, which is the only proof that the city ever existed. Intrigued by a strange Bontaka spire in the picture, with even stranger markings, Sisko takes it upon himself to use futuristic technology and Quark's holodeck to solve the puzzle and find the lost city. Fortunately or unfortunately... Uh, Quark's faulty hollow suite gives Sisko a nasty shock, causing some strange synopsis in his brain. Dr. Bashir tells him that he'll be fine so long as he takes it easy and reports any changes in his conditions. Sisko continues to work on the obelisk puzzle while the station receives the great news that Bajor is joining the Federation. Quark throws a big celebratory party which everyone is enjoying before Kira notices that Sisko isn't in attendance. She goes to the holosuite to find Sisko zoned out, lost in space. Once he awakes, he talks of knowing all and makes wild predictions about the future. To add to all the craziness on the station, Kai Wynn has now come to the inauguration, and Cassidy Yates is back from her lengthy prison stay. Um, Remember, she was the sympathizer for the Maquis? Yes, Um, yes. Well, Sisko doesn't care about any of that. He knows where Bahala is, and he actually finds it, buried 200 feet below the ground. And having found uh, Bahala, Sisko has turned into a huge celebrity on the station. Um, much to the chagrin of Admiral Watley, who's also there for the inauguration of Bajor into the Federation. So um, Admiral Watley uh, would rather have been uh, working on the, uh, Bajor's entry into the Federation because that was kind of like his whole mission since the very beginning of the series. Um, but Cisco has reached an all new level of enlightenment, being able to see the future. Unfortunately, it is taking a toll on his body, so much so that he's having terrible headaches and even misses the big signing of Bajor into the Federation of Planets. He instead crashes into the meeting with grave warning that Bajor must stand alone or be destroyed. Overcome by the stress and the headaches, he collapses. Dr. Bashir's progress isn't good. He needs to do surgery or Sisko will die. But if he does the surgery, no more visions, no knowledge of the universe, no knowledge of the future. His next of kin, Jake, decides that he needs his dad much more and has Bashir do the surgery. Sisko wakes up distraught to find that the visions are gone, but stands by his decision to advise Bajor not to join the Federation. Whew. All right, a long one. Um, lots of little pieces. We're going to have to kind of delve a bit deeper into this one. Um, but yeah, I think this episode might be a long one, Matt, because this is a, uh, this is a pretty big episode in the, the Deep Space Nine pantheon, isn't it?
1: It is a pretty important one, yeah, like, there's a lot to sort of go through here, because yeah, this is, there's a lot going on here, for sure.
0: Right, and not only is there a lot of little pieces that we want to pick up for this kind of particular story, but there's also a lot of foreshadowing as to, like, what's to come, so we're also going to need to look at, did those things end up happening, and how did they look as... Um, they kind of eventually show up in the rest of the series. So, um, strap in everybody. This one's going to be a marathon. Yes. All right, Matt. Well, it's that time of, uh, the week where, uh, we see how I made out because if I remember correctly, I think I had quite a few of the points that we talked about. This is a a pretty big episode in the Deep Space Nine realm. So, um, let's kind of swing back to how I made out last week when I predicted what this episode was about
1: yeah this is definitely like a linchpin sort of episode uh you actually did extremely well um when i sort of listened to what you said last week um i was pretty impressed like you pretty much nailed it as far as the story and some of the other uh, important things that were going on uh the only thing that i was sort of maybe could be nitpicky about is that you didn't mention the city of bahala but otherwise like you know you you pretty much nailed it so uh uh, on a rating of uh, out of five paintings of the lost city of Bahala, I'm gonna um, I'm gonna give you five out of five. Oh,
0: a little a little uh, anticipation there, a little uh, trickery. I thought you were gonna go four out of five, but you know what? I uh, I will take it because. Uh, i'm feeling generous
1: today so i'll go I'll, I'll, I'll go i'll give you a five out of five
0: i'm gonna need those points for when we get into like later seasons of enterprise that i've never seen or uh, <laughs> the animated series that i've never watched all right so let's kind of go over our overall impressions of this episode and if by any chance we remember the first time that we saw it, then uh, we will talk about uh, kind of what we remember from it. So um, I guess first off, do you remember seeing it? What was your impressions then
1: and what are your impressions now? Uh, I'm guessing the first time I saw it was during the original run because I was pretty into Deep Space Nine then, so I feel like that was probably when I saw it the first time, but I'm not 100% sure. Um, I imagine when I was younger this was maybe sort of a boring episode because there's a lot of um, sort of quasi-religious uh, stuff going on mm-hmm. and that I may not have been as interested in, but I mean, now you watch it and it's, it's such an important episode for the, you know, as, as far as what comes after it, uh, so I thought it was pretty good, um, it was pretty interesting to watch, so yeah, I, I thought it was, a, it was a good episode. Uh, what, what do you, where, where do you sit with this one?
0: When I first watched it, I actually remember kind of thinking like, oh, this seems like really super important. And I had um, heard little like rumblings and stuff of the Dominion and stuff. So um, I remember thinking like, because he even mentions the Dominion, I think it might be the first time. Yeah. Um, and I uh, I was like, oh, okay, this is important. It kind of perked me up a little bit. Um, and I think it's. I still feel that way. I still feel like this is a pretty good look at, why Deep Space Nine is so popular, even though it's kind of a cog in a bigger machine, it's like this is um, why it was so good and the serialization of the show ended up being so popular kind of with fans long-term when you look back, so yeah, yeah, no, it's a solid one. Um, Let's talk about a little bit of the background, the development, um, some interesting bits and pieces that we kind of found and discovered as we go. this is actually the first time that Kira explicitly says that Bejor uh, joining the Federation is a good thing, and she's actually excited about it. So this is like a big switch.
1: Oh and yeah, I was gonna say like that's pretty shocking. Like when you when you think back to the the pilot, she's yeah. like dead set against it. She's like, right. "I shouldn't be here. They're just gonna be like the Cardassians were." Blah right. blah blah. Yeah, yeah. It's a big shift. And I
0: think that this is kind of um, one of the things that is it's not really in the middle because it's season five of like, you know, seven, but like this is kind of a big starting point or to kick off towards like everything that's going to happen in the last two seasons, right? Like this is yeah. going to be kind of like um, the, I don't know, the catalyst, let's call it, right? Because um, this is also the end of what was kind of called the Emissary Trilogy. So there was like no Ascension, I'm oh, sorry, Destiny, Ascension, Rapture, and this kind of like sets up that, you know, because it was, like, a little bit uncertain as to whether uh, Cisco was, in fact, the emissary, like, Kai Wynn doesn't really even, like, believe it in past episodes, and this one she fully admits, like, oh, yeah, he definitely is.
1: Yeah, yeah, it was, Kai Win Kai kind of played an interesting role in this episode, which was very different than she normally does, I mean, normally she's this right. really annoying, really sort of, um, I don't know what the word is, uh, like, scheming, yeah, yeah, yeah. And in this episode, you sort of you see a much different side of that character.
0: Yeah, no, definitely, and I think that um, this is kind of when it it goes into really great territory because um, if you go back to kind of the first episode, the emissary, Picard tells Cisco, you know, you're going to need to get these guys to join the Federation, doing like whatever you have to do anything breaking the, you know, save breaking the Prime Directive. Yeah. Um, And then, like, in a kind of a weird way, he becomes, like, a religious, like, prophet, uh, you know. And in this one, he has, like, literal god-like abilities. Yeah. And now, and and then they're going to join, right? Which is, it's, like, kind of a weird, it's, like, a weird kind of progression that it ends up taking. Like, not really anything that I would have kind of predicted when I was watching the show. Like, it's kind of a surprising twist that he ends up being such, like, a, you know, like, it's kind of like, imagine if you went to, you know, you go to Italy to do some sort of job, and you, like, end up becoming the Pope, like, <laughs> like, you just happen to fall into it, like, it's a pretty crazy, crazy thing to be talking about, like, in the writer's room, right? Yeah, it's,
1: and it's definitely a very new sort of thing for Star Trek, they've always sort of mm-hmm. shied away from sort of big picture religious things like this i mean they would you know again in in an episode if it was you know suitable for whatever they're trying to point they're trying to get across they you know they would do it they would go that that way but like this is like sort of an ongoing thing throughout the whole series and that's kind of a different take yeah no definitely
0: and i think like Gene Right? well so that's yeah why he just, just didn't want it but like yeah even in action after he left you didn't really see it that frequently right yeah. and uh, interestingly enough I also read that um, there's actually only really six full solid episodes dedicated to like Bajor and like the religion and stuff like that which I was like shocked to see because it's always kind of mentioned you know Kira goes to church and you know sometimes like it's going on in the background but there's actually very few that were like very solely based on like emissary or um, you know or as like a religion and I think that uh, I read also that some of the people that were behind the scenes were doing this intentionally because they were like kind of nervous about it like this is a big 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 step for, for Star Trek I think yeah
1: I, it, it is kind of shocking that there's only six episodes but if you think about it it's like it's alluded to constantly but, right but I mean if you really think about it I guess it isn't that surprising but mm-hmm. they it was really only six episodes where they really sort of dug deep into it
0: yeah and you know what maybe that's why it's so good too
1: it doesn't become stale if you just keep hammering it down right so um, well maybe that's why it works too because they don't right. they don't dwell on it so much it's it like it's a very well established that it's an important part of Bajoran culture but they don't they, like they don't really get too deep into it
0: right and I like that and I think that yeah. that's uh, that's what makes this one so memorable as well All right. Well, you know what? Like I mentioned earlier, this is going to be a big one. So let's jump into the plot. I've got lots of questions for you. I've got lots of uh, talking points, lots of discussion stuff. So uh, There's a lot there. Yeah. Suit up, everybody. <laughs> uh, buckle in. Um, we'll start with the teaser. And, of course, Dax, Kira, Cisco are all in the conference room. Uh, they've got this famous painting. It's 20,000 years old. Uh, actually, is the painting 20,000 years old, or is it the city was 20,000 years old?
1: Oh, that is a good question. Um, if the painting is 20,000 years old, it looked pretty good. <laughs> it looked amazing, right?
0: Yeah. Um, well preserved. So they've gotten it back from the Cardassians, who obviously like, had smuggled it off from the war, and they're just kind of sitting around and uh, you know enjoying it. Um, yeah. do you think that this is a direct link to like, is it supposed to be Atlantis or like Bajorian Atlantis? And are they also kind of doing like, remember in world war two, like when all the paintings got stolen, like I think the Mona Lisa was stolen and stuff like that. And then
1: yeah, uh, they kind of had to
0: give it back to all the people who like originally had it. Is this like a direct link kind of making it seem like the Cardassians are similar to like the Nazis in world war two? And then is Bahala kind of like an Atlantis?
1: Uh, I think given that the Cardassians were, like, modeled after Nazi Germany, I think it's pretty safe to say that, uh, yeah, this is maybe sort of, uh, like, a, you know, I think that's sort of the idea here of, like, okay, yeah, we're going to finally give back some of these paintings and artifacts that we plundered. So I'd say that's probably a reasonable parallel to make. Uh, As for Atlantis... Uh, I guess it's kind of a similar thing I mean it's I mean it's a city versus a continent but right. no it's kind of it's kind of a similar idea
0: yeah it's been lost right everybody thinks like if you can find it it's going to like give you know like a whole new series of like things to like check up and stuff I guess there has been cities that were like either buried by like uh, you know, covered with water or covered by like, uh, dirt or something like that. Then they like excavated and found it and stuff like that. So like, I think this is a pretty, it's a pretty common thing. Yeah. Um, so Cisco gets it kind of in his mind that like, he's going to use this spire thing. It's a Montucka spire. And yes. I guess like they know somehow that they were like aligned to point towards like specific stars. And if they can figure out this writing, then they could probably get a good idea of like where it is. Yeah. Um, and he doesn't really talk about why he wants to do this, but he takes it down to like the hollow suites and he gets a like 3d digital version of it. And he turns it into like a, you know, 24th century, like escape room puzzle kind of thing. Um, so he's working away. Cork comes in, tells him like, this looks like pretty lame, pretty boring. He's, Says that he's got lots of pleasure puzzles to do <laughs> and that uh, he puts a secret surprise in the center.
1: So, my question is, what do you think a pleasure puzzle is, and what do you think is at the center? Uh, I think the correct answer to both those questions is that we probably don't want to know. <laughs> this is Quark we're talking about, so. It's anyone's guess. That's true. I think it is kind of an
0: interesting thing that you could have. Like, um, have you done any like escape rooms that are like super popular right now?
1: I've never gotten around to one of those um, quite yet. No. So like, I've done a
0: couple of them, and I kind of feel like this is what it'd be like. You know, like you could do like a holodeck version of it, where like you could do. And I guess that was kind of like the Sherlock Holmes puzzles and stuff. The and the um, what was the one that. Uh, Picard was always doing the Dixon Dixon Hill Dixon Hill novels yeah. and stuff like that. So it makes sense that you could use the Hollow Suite as like a way to like kind of go in, like do some entertainment some puzzles and stuff. So that yeah. was pretty cool. Um Siskel gets shocked, and that's the end of the teaser. So what very shocking. It? Shocking, yeah. Like Goldfinger shocking.
1: Absolutely shocking. Yes. Um
0: pretty good opener, I thought. Pretty pretty short. Like I think it was maybe only like a
1: yeah, yeah, it was good. Yeah. It sort of set things up nicely.
0: Yeah, and I think that's kind of all it was going for. So it leads into Act One. He's okay. He's got increased synopsis, which is like techno babble for like his brain is like super active, you know, like the yeah. whole limitless thing where now he's reaching parts of his brain that like never thought, never before possible, right?
1: And he's seeing colors that like no human can that's see. That's exactly
0: right. Like he's, <laughs> he's on a whole new level and they even do like a you know, enjoy the ride or something Bashir says. Yeah, like, enjoy yeah. Enjoy the show. Yes, kind of yeah. So he's got the extra synopsis. He's acting strange. And did you pick up on the little, like, Close Encounters nod when he's having dinner with Jake? No. Have you seen Close Encounters?
1: Uh, not in a long time.
0: So anyway, in Close Encounters, uh, Richard Drivers' character, like, he basically goes into like, a similar, like, thing where he's... um. Like, he's all zoned out, and he's trying to find, like, this particular mountain, and the one day I'm going have dinner, and it's mashed potatoes, he's making the mountain out of the mashed potatoes and uh. things like that. So when he's doing the, uh, he's, like, rearranging the food yeah, and stuff yeah. like that, it's kind of like an homage to it. They also did it in The Simpsons, remember when Homer wants to go to clown college, and <laughs> he makes, like, the big top tent with the mashed potatoes? That's from and Count. <laughs> um... So that's kind of like the little, like, you think that that's going to be kind of the main thing, but then, like, kind of somewhat out of nowhere, he gets the message from Admiral Watley that uh, Bejor has been accepted and they're going to join the Federation. Um, I guess it's kind of too hard to go back and ask, like, what your regional thoughts of that were back in the time, but um, I can tell you, like, from my perspective, I didn't really think that Bejor was ever going to join the Federation, like, until the end. You know, mm-hmm. like, you know how with Voyager, like, one of the big knocks is that, like, yeah, we obviously know that, like, they're not yeah. going to get home until the end. I kind of thought that Deep Space Nine was going to be the same thing. Like, the whole season was going to lead up or to, or the whole series was going to lead up to them joining. Yeah. Is that what you thought back way
1: when you were a kid, or not really? Um, I don't think I really thought about it much. Um, I figured it would happen eventually, but I wasn't really too hung up on when. So I guess when I saw this the first time, it probably was a little bit shocking, because it just sort of came out of nowhere. Like, there wasn't really anything leading up to it. There was no, like, oh yeah, Bajor's, like, you know, they're starting to get their act together, and they're, you know, they're looking kind of promising to join the Federation. It just sort of, like, happened. Right. And I guess maybe that is how
0: it would kind of happen if it were to come about, right? Like, they didn't really set any guidelines in Emissary, like... Well, okay. Once you've got like this, that, the other thing, then you're gonna be good to go. You're ready. Yeah. They just kind of left it ambiguous, which I mean, it means makes it so that it can pop up at any time. Yeah. Um, so my other question is, uh, does Admiral Watley give everyone a job when he throws a party, and uh, did he become an admiral strictly for the jokes?
1: <laughs> <laughs> that would be a Seinfeld uh, reference for those of you who may not understand. The <laughs> Hey, you yeah. know what? When
0: you're doing a show from like 1996, like Seinfeld is perfectly relevant. It's true, yeah. Right? That's yeah. Like, that was like when I it's prime.
1: I'm actually surprised we haven't come across a guest star yet that is, was also on Seinfeld because there are like tons bunch, of yeah. them. That's tons true. of them. Now, Brian
0: Cranston, who was wobbling on Seinfeld, he didn't, he was never on Star Trek at all. No, no, he wasn't. As far as I know. No. Not yet. That's true, actually. Yeah, I mean, he could just pop up on Discovery. That'd be kind of cool. It would. He could be like a Klingon dentist. <laughs> God knows they would need one. Yeah, exactly. Like, remember they have like a little like grinder that like grinds the teeth down.
1: Nog-, Nog had one, and Worf wanted to buy it. That's right. Yeah. <laughs> oh yeah that's
0: right it wasn't Klingon it was Nog he was yeah. the teeth grinding. yeah
1: when Nog was going to the academy they were selling off all his stuff and Worf and was all like why am I even here Jadzia why did you drag me to this thing and then he's like what is this and he's like it's a tooth sharpener and he tries it and he's like how much
0: <laughs> good memory yeah all right, so Cork throws a big party, and it's kind of cool. Like uh, they got the big Federation flag when well, he puts up the wrong. He does, puts like, up the wrong flag one flag first. Buddy, yeah, but, that was a nice touch. Yeah. yeah. And did you notice the Federation glasses that they all had? Yes, they, they were did. so sweet. I wish I could get one. of Those They're like beer steins. They had like the Federation, a uh, flatness logo. Yeah, those yeah. were cool. They
1: were pretty cool. Yes.
0: Um, and I guess this is, um, this is like shortly after Kira gets pregnant, right? So. Um, Did you like her
1: Bajoran militia maternity outfit? Yeah, it was pretty cool. Um, I think it's even more cool that they actually have such uh, uniforms. I think, yeah, (laughs) it's
0: kind of neat. It's like maternity wear for the military. (laughs) Yes. I I guess we should probably leave it for when we catch those things, but uh, I always thought that the Kira being pregnant thing was kind of a cool way of doing it.
1: Yeah, it was. uh, A very clever way of doing it. A very Star Trek way of doing it. Yes, that's right. right. Like
0: I, have not heard in other shows and stuff like that when women get pregnant, they just like they're always like holding a box or like standing behind like a pillar or something. Well, I remember
1: on Voyager when when uh, Roxanne Dawson was pregnant, she wore that like really baggy like like um, smock yeah. thing over her uniform for no reason for nine months. And <laughs> no, it was, it was an engineering so coat
0: <laughs> for extra engineering goodness. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But yeah, exactly. It's just, I mean. It's part of it, right? But I thought this was kind of a really cool way of, of
1: doing it, right? Yeah. And also, yeah. did
0: you know that, like, Nana visitor, when she was pregnant, that
1: was Bashir's baby? Yes. Yeah, oh, I did. Yeah, you know, I fun, did yeah. Oh, fun side note. Um, Some scandalous uh, activities, I guess, while they were filming. Or no, oh, no, yeah, no. So. It's from that episode. Remember, it was that from that episode when they
0: all the characters, like, became, like, uh, sexually attracted to one another? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so Kira goes up to the hall of suite, and Sis goes off, kind of stunned, and that's the end of um, that's the end of Act One. Um, that swings us into uh, Act Two, where um, he's kind of into the whole like enlightenment. They call it a pa tem far, which is supposedly like some sort of secret vision. I yeah. think that one of the things with like these or religious things is that they're like seems like there's a lot of different kinds like there's the orbs and then there's visions and like the prophets can visit you like at any time and stuff so there's like many layers to like
1: their faith and their religion right yeah we get pretty much all of them in this episode actually yeah that's true there is an orb experience i guess the prophets don't really just sort of randomly talk to them now but there's a lot there's a lot in there
0: yeah no it is it is a good one for that um and so he kind of snaps out of it and he feel he was like right you know like have you ever had like a dream where something really exciting was going to happen and then like you wake wake up and and you wanted like ah what was it right so he was basically there he figured out like almost exactly where it is when kira uh, Kira shakes him awake um and so then he kind of goes off on this little tire this is the first mention of the, the mini he mentions that he sees the past, the present, and he can see the upcoming War with the Dominion. Yeah. And I remember when I watched it the first time, I was like, ooh, okay, this is interesting because um, like, I obviously had seen like books and board games and stuff with Dominion on it, and I didn't really know what it was. Yeah. So I remember when that came up, I was like, oh, okay, things are going to jump off. This is exciting. Um, are you surprised they gave it away so bluntly, so blatantly?
1: Uh, I thought it, when I, I I mean, I thought it was pretty obvious that it was going to happen sooner or later. Mm -hmm. I mean, they bring in these like ultra, you know, totalitarian type, uh, faction into the universe, you know, I, I thought it was just going to happen at some point. Right. So, um, I don't, I I don't even know if I caught that the first time I watched it. Well, it is kind of just like a very subtle
0: line. And remember, yeah. back in the '90s, like it's not like you were going back and watching these episodes with a fine tooth comb, right? Exactly. Like you're just watching it, and if you don't pick up on it, you don't pick up on it. And yeah. you didn't really even have like the internet forums to go on after and debate every little, you know, minute <laughs> thing either. You just kind of watched it, and then maybe like on the schoolyard, if you had a couple of friends, you might talk about it. But yeah, it's kind yeah. of. Um, yeah, I guess it, it was very easy. Like, I had the luxury of watching when I was older, right? So, it was different. But, yeah, it's kind, of, it's kind of interesting. I don't know if... I feel like nowadays shows kind of, like, put out a bunch of little things and not all of them end up kind of end up coming true. Yeah. Like, they they kind of cover their bases kind of thing. Mm-hmm. So, anyway, kai Wynn shows up and uh, she's obviously there for the big inauguration and everything like that. But she is on like bitch level maximum here like it seems like she can't help herself and last is she ever not at that level you know what like Louise Fletcher is really good at like you just kind of like oh you know what I'm kind of seeing where she's coming from oh yeah yeah and then damn damn oh you know I think she's okay now bad like she is such a good actor she plays this part so perfectly um I think that uh yeah, she always is like that, but um, yeah, it's just, it's such a great character. It's, like, it's a person you love to hate, you know? Um, and actually, last week you mentioned that you are not a huge Dakot fan. What are your uh, thoughts
1: on the wing? Uh, she's a pretty good villain. Uh, like, she's so self-serving. Oh, yeah. Like, in earlier episodes, it's a lot more blatant and a lot more obvious that she's just like, out for herself, and you know, it makes it pretty easy to dislike her as a, a, and I think that makes her a pretty, pretty, pretty good villain. I, I would say. Yeah, she's like the ultimate
0: politician, right?
1: Yeah. Yep.
0: Yeah, I think that um, she's one of my uh, favorite characters on the show, like for side characters, mm. um, and like I said, it's like you hate her guts, but you can appreciate it, right? Yeah. Um. So. It's kind of a little bit of a split here. There's not really an A plot, B plot this week either. Did you notice that? That it's they are pretty
1: deep. tightly
0: woven. Yeah, like this is kind of like boom, boom, boom. We gotta go, right? Yeah. So, um, just to add like another layer, Cassidy's back um, from prison that Cisco sent her to. Um, yeah, is this how you would react if your loved one sent you to prison for six months? And uh, were you surprised with her reaction?
1: Hmm, that's an interesting question. I guess yeah, I don't know. It was it was interesting to see how they kind of reacted to each other when they sort of reunited. And having Sisko in this like weird sort of visionary trance kind of he seems so nonchalant mm-hmm. when she came back and it's like, was that because he is nonchalant and just because or because he's like in this weird, like visionary state? So It kind of made it kind of a weird reunion
0: yeah i kind of felt like they almost regretted the sending her to prison for like that maquis thing because at this point it's like yeah okay the maquis story arc is done and it's kind of like how can we just drop this as fast as possible and just get back to like cassidy and cisco being together does that make sense like you send somebody away for six months i don't know if you come back and you're like hey let's
1: go on this like scavenger hunt <laughs> yeah i don't know it's kind of that's a tough one to kind of figure out like how would they react and i don't think it's ever
0: brought up again like i think it's just like oh yeah that happened
1: yeah yeah you're right they don't really get into it uh, uh, after this no yeah i feel like it's almost like all forgiven. let's continue well matt
0: if you sell me out and i have to go to prison for six months when i come back i'm not going to be uh, as happy to see you as cassidy was <laughs> <laughs> noted so anyway, he decides, you know what, he knows where it is, he's solved it, and uh, they go to Bajor, they blast through the rocks, and uh, he finds it. So yeah. they found whole Big, big, big find, right? This has got to be like
1: uh, finding Atlantis, right? Pretty much, yeah. Like, they've been trying to find it for probably thousands of years, and he's
0: done it. He's done it. They even mentioned, like, archaeologists have been working on this for, like millennia and then
1: you're just like yeah, oh there friends. it is, guys <laughs> yeah you're right they did mention that I, I almost forgot hey this is matt and you are listening to random trek review to get the latest podcast and to read the rtr blog visit our website at randomtrekreview.blogspot.com you can subscribe to the podcast on itunes by searching for random trek review you can find us on social media uh, twitter at rando trek review and on instagram at random trek review if you have any questions, comments, or suggestions, and prefer old-school email, feel free to drop us a line at randomtrekreview at gmail.com. Now back to the show.
0: All right, so that sends us back to uh, Act 3. So that was kind of um, that was kind of what Cisco's up to. Um, we're back to the Bejor stuff, and you get kind of a funny scene with Odo and uh, Worf. They're, like, arguing about um who's gonna stay where and like do captains get uh you know rooms and where the admiral's gonna stay because everybody's coming for the big inauguration um yeah. and i thought it was pretty funny i mean odo's not really in this episode a whole ton but like he definitely has a really great
1: bit here did you like that scene i know that you're a big odo fan yeah it's a good yeah it's a great scene. Um... Are they like they're arguing and they're just like citing all this like obscure like naval traditions <laughs> like no he captain's a starship so his quarters should be just as nice as the admirals right. and Oda's like but that makes no sense so well, I have ranks then and all this stuff and it was yeah, it was pretty funny. It was good. It's naval tradition then. Yeah. <laughs> so it was keel hauling.
0: Yes, yeah Do you know true. what keel hauling is?
1: Keel hauling. Um hauling a keel? know. Um, so, this
0: is like uh, back during like pirate days and stuff like that. If somebody like uh, screwed you over or it was bad or whatever, you either, like tie them up and you put them on a rope and you throw them overboard oh. and you drag them behind the boat.
1: Right. Oh, yes. Okay.
0: As seen in For Your Eyes Only. Yes, correct. So, anyway, I, I had to Google it. I didn't know that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough.
0: All right. Uh, Admiral Watley's growing impatient. Um, and he actually ends up going to Bajor to see Bahala and to kind of say to Cisco, like what's going on, you know, like we got, this is a huge, right? Like you've been working for years trying to get Bajor in. They're finally about to do it. Um, you know, we got to figure out how we're going to like integrate the militia and the government. Like there's lots of things that you have to do when you join the Federation. And, mm-hmm. um, he's kind of getting a little bit impatient with Cisco, um, does he yeah. have a point? And is Cisco
1: being the emissary of conflict of interest? I think he, well, he's, he's got his own things to be worried about, right? Like, he, yeah, he's got a point. I mean, Cisco's still a Starfleet captain and this is like his, his show. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. This, the, the whole emissary versus captain thing, like that's something that they sort of teeter totter with throughout the series, really. Mm-hmm. And, um, I don't, that's a tough one. I mean, it's not even really something he asked for. Mm -hmm. So, like, he's, like, it's something that I guess he has to, like, wrestle with throughout the whole series. And it definitely saves him
0: a couple of times. Like, it gets him in trouble a couple of times, and it saves him a couple of times. Yes, that's very true. Because, like, he essentially is a god on Bajor, so if they try to get rid of him or, like, put him on, uh, you know, latrine duty, (laughs) that's not happening, right? Nope. So I think it gives him a little bit of, Uh, wiggle room that other people maybe wouldn't have had right yeah
1: yeah then we bounce back this is it it is a weird episode
0: actually the pacing it's kind of like it's almost like a metronome and it's bouncing from cisco to like what other people are doing cisco to what other people are doing um so we bounce back and we get this kind of heart-to-heart scene with kai -Kai Wynn and kira where um win is in a completely different light again like, she, she's kind of changed her tune, like I was saying, and now she's looking more sympathetic, right? She's mentioning how, you know, during the occupation, when Kira had, like, she could go and get weapons and, like, just fight. Like, she was, like, in an internment camp or something like that, and the only yeah. thing she had was her faith. Um, did, did it work on you? Did you feel
1: sorry for in this scene? Maybe a little, but not really. No? No. I have very little sympathy for Kai Wynn. <laughs> she's... She's, she's a terrible person. Yeah, I, you know what, and
0: I, I, I feel the same way, but this is this is the kind of thing that makes you like the character a lot, is that right when you're like, oh, I hate her guts, it's like, oh, wow, well, she wasn't that determined, camp. Oh, but she screwed over Kira. Oh, but, you know, she was, like, working to help people with David. Like, she is a very polarizing kind of person, and she kind of is, like, that little bit of flippy-floppy, right? Where like now she seems like she's all on board and you know she she's um, you know anxiously waiting for it to happen. So I think that it's um, yeah, it's a very well written character to say the least. Yeah,
1: yep, she's definitely yeah, she like she's very manipulative. I feel, and that's why I kind of dislike her so much. Yeah, and that's again, she's a politician,
0: right? Yeah, that's what makes it so good. And she's a religious figurehead too, which is just, yeah. kind of makes it double right. <laughs> yeah um so Cisco comes back and like this scene is almost like humorous in a way like he's got celebrity status he's like going around and just telling people like these like words of wisdom like he's almost like one of those like deep south like preachers you know like oh the, yeah the, the fields will return oh this that like um he even
1: tells the Admiral, like, don't worry, your son forgives you, and <laughs> yes. he's just like,
0: what? Whoa, like that, that, did you like that scene, or do you think that's kind of going a bit too far?
1: Uh, I would maybe say it's bordering on getting a little bit over the top, but I mean, it sort of give it sort of gives you an idea of, like, just how prophetic these visions are, right? Mm-hmm. And so, I, I don't know, I think it fit with the episode, uh, even though it was it was almost, like you say, it was almost funny, like, he's just, like, he's just person, to person, person to person to person, like, don't worry, this will be fine, don't worry. Don't I worry. know, like,
0: I, I almost kind of feel like if, if there was, like, a bad thing that was going to happen, would he be like, you know, don't go near the turbo lift on this day, like, the big <laughs> you know, like, I, I, yeah,
1: it was, it was maybe a
0: little bit much, but it leads to him eventually, like, busting into the big celebratory party where they're about to sign the papers yeah. and he has this big revelation that there's a cloud of locusts and it's going to go to Cardassia and if Bajor joins the federation, it'll be destroyed. Um, now, um, literally all this stuff happens, correct?
1: The locust thing, did that happen?
0: So to me, I always thought, or when I watched it anyway, do you remember there's the scene where the um Hadar fighters are gonna like go towards Bajor? Like they almost look like a bug. Yes. You know how like true. underneath yeah. they like yeah. that purple bit like looks like a like a like a beetle or something? Yeah. Yeah. And remember there's like that bit where um, it looks like there's gonna be the big Bruhaha and Dukat like takes them all back to Cardassia? Like, when he kind ah. of sells out the Federation. Yeah, yeah. And remember, they only leave Bejor because Bejor isn't part of Starfleet. So, like, when the big war breaks out, Bajor is like, just Switzerland in it. Yeah, end. yeah. So, um, do you think that that's what it was? Like, that's what I thought it was.
1: Uh, yeah, that makes sense.
0: Because if Bajor had joined, they would have been the very first planet outside the wormhole. They're going to come in and just that's torch right. it, right? Yeah,
1: yeah, you know, that's true, yeah. I, maybe that's what it means. I don't know. I wasn't really sure what the locusts filling the sky was supposed to actually be.
0: Now, Yeah, I have to admit, I don't really know what a locust looks like. It's just like a bug, isn't it? Like a grasshopper. It's like a grasshopper, yeah. yeah. Okay, well, if that was what it was, um, then I think that's kind of a cool... It's a really cool kind of foreshadow, right? And like, I was just subtle enough too. Like, if that's what it was, that it really didn't give away that Ducat thing a little bit later. Yeah,
1: on. yeah, you're right. Yeah, right, because
0: like the Ducat thing still surprised me, even though. And then afterwards, I was like, oh, was that the thing? You know, like I think that that's really good. It's not heavy handed or anything.
1: I think the best part of the Locusts is when he first like when he like announces he's like Locusts, yeah, just like one word. Yeah, this is, like, this is Avery
0: Brooks, like, really, like, giving her, right?
1: Oh, yes. Yeah, this, this is a tremendous, answer. uh, yeah, bit of work by Avery Brooks. Yeah,
0: he's really good in this, and I think that, like, yeah, this is why, if people like Cisco as, like, their favorite captain or whatever, or if they like Avery Brooks for his performance, it's this kind of stuff, I feel like, that really is what people remember,
1: right? Oh, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah.
0: So, um... It turns out that he's, he needs the surgery because, like, basically these visions are getting closer and closer, but they're basically going to kill him. Um, but if they do, it's the catch-22. He'll lose the visions. Now, he actually mentions that, like, maybe once, maybe twice, that, like, he actually will be able to eventually discern what the meaning of life is and, like, the beginning and end of the universe and everything like that. Um, yep. And so it's, it makes it really a difficult choice, Right. So he has to decide, figure out like the meaning of everything,
1: or <laughs> yeah. and die, or potentially live. Um, what would you do? If it was strictly up to me, like between like knowing all things mm. and dying or living, like what good is knowing all things if you're dead? But well, you could tell everyone else. Well, maybe. 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 I don't know. I, I feel like, well, I. I think it's kind of a tough question, because I'm not Ben Sisko, and I'm not the emissary of the prophets, so, right. I, I don't know, I, I mean, I, I obviously would choose to live, but who knows, maybe it was just so great knowing all these things. He seems to be leaning the other way. Oh, he right? was definitely leaning the other way, he was ready to lay down his life to, to know all things, right. so. It's just so tempting, right? Well. Um, and I guess the other question is, is, like, does he eventually
0: get here anyway? Because at the end, he ends up, like, with the prophets, like, when he dies and falls in the fire cave, right? Yeah. So he he, he eventually gets to figure it all out anyway. I've never really read any of the post-books, but...
1: Yeah, I, I, I haven't read any of those books either, so I'm not really sure what happens with Sisko when he gets sort of uh, rescued from falling to his death by the prophets. I don't know. Yeah, it's when kind of an interesting out? question, and I think
0: maybe that's why they they leave it. And it, I think that they also kind of do a really good like if it wasn't already weighing on your mind, they they flip, flip to that off scene where you have like a really weird um, like a really weird tag team. You have Kira and Worf <laughs> on one team, and you've got O'Brien and Dax on the other team. Like that's not typically the t- teams that you would think pair up. But Kira and Worf are on the side of, like, fate, Like, yeah, let him die. He wants to, to figure out all the stuff. And you've got O'Brien and Dax, on the more science-based things. They're like, no, like, he definitely has to live, right? Yeah. Um, I thought it was a good scene. Um, and very Star that... trek scene. Yeah, exactly. And, and, you know, I like that in Star Trek, it's not like you always just go with, like, your spouse, or mm-hmm. it's not like you always just go with, like, your best friend or whatever. People actually have, like, a very strong set of morals that they just stick with and if somebody's against it then whatever you're against them on that like topic Mm -hmm. and then when it's all done you just go on to the next thing right?
1: Yeah. Yeah.
0: So I thought that was a cool scene. Um, I also thought that the actual like meeting when they were going to do the whole like joining of the Federation was really cool. Um, Is there any other times that we see planets join or like what the process is the paperwork being signed?
1: Nah I don't believe so No.
0: In Enterprise, they do, like, a thing to make the Federation, but that's not really the same.
1: No, no, no. This is, I think, the only time we really see a planet join mm-hmm. the Federation. And they don't right even now. do it, right? Yeah, it was, a, it was a false start, I guess. Yeah,
0: but I guess that's what it looks like. You all sit around, everyone signs. It's like, uh, you know, some piece of paper that they'll put up. And they Admiral Watley
1: makes a nice little speech. Yeah, they all have like you know, Romulan Ale or something afterwards. No, no, Romulan Ale is
0: illegal. Oh, that's right. Is it by the end of the series, though? No, I don't think so. No,
1: it isn't, because there's one scene later on in Deep Space Nine where, shortly after the Romulans join the war, where Admiral Ross is all like. Nope, it's uh, it's the the embargo's been lifted. You can drink yeah. all the Romulan alien And it's to want. like
0: they're on that. Uh, it's like the set of Voyager, but it's like that other intrepid ship. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I remember that now. <laughs> um, so we go into the last act. Jake decides he can't really live without his father. He's only eighteen, but he's old enough to be the next of kin. Uh, so he saves the dad. Um, his dad's right. Um, yep. Kai wins. None too happy. Beige well, of course is. not. On the outs, it's going to stay independent. Um, do you think that the writers had this all written ahead of time, and this was all part of the big long plan, or do you think that they just thought this was kind of a cool story and
1: they were not so certain? Hmm. I feel like they probably would have had it written ahead of time that he didn't wouldn't have gone through with it till the end. Because mm-hmm. then what? <laughs> you know what happens well, after that when Cisco's like this all-knowing being. You know, well, there was
0: a queue and stuff, but yeah, that wouldn't really work on the day-to-day. If if you have somebody who knows the future, the present, the past, then there's
1: no point, right? Yeah, that would have been tricky to to deal with uh, going forward, yeah. Right. Now,
0: I mean, that being said, I did read once that, like, Voyager, like, the big thing with Voyager was it was, like, uh, Gilligan's Island, right? Like, every time you think, oh, they're going to get home, oops, it didn't work, (laughs) right? Um... But in the very first episode of Voyager, there's, like, that caretaker, and the caretaker mentions that there's, like, another one, like, yep. somewhere in the Delta Quadrant, and apparently that was, like, a, like, parachute. Trapdoor. Yeah, just, if, if it wasn't really working, they would have just found the other caretaker and just gotten back and went to, like, a regular kind of show. Yeah, um, yeah. Which, I mean, who knows, we can talk about that another time, but, like, I almost kind of feel like this one wouldn't be as easy to write your way out of. If he had become like omnipotent, you would've been like, "Oh, this is really hard to write
1: out," you know, like. Well, he would've just probably taken off some somewhere else. Yeah, maybe right.
0: Yeah. Um, and so Watley's not really too happy. Although again, Cisco—he's that emissary. He's got the charm. He kind of
1: he kind of gets his he kind of gets out of it. He doesn't really get in trouble at all, really. No, he doesn't. Uh, I mean, the Abraam was not happy, but. Uh... What was it that Ben said to him? He's like, Don't worry, one day Bajor will join the Federation. He and he says, Yeah, I'll keep the champagne on ice. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, I guess that sort of exonerated Cisco a little bit, but I, yeah, no, that, that Admiral guy was not, Admiral Wiley was not happy.
0: Yeah, he's a little cheese, but not too, too much. I mean, Jake and Cassidy are both super, super happy, and they kind of do at the end like that. Like, you know, when kids try to decide like who is gonna go first at bat and they like one hand and the other then the other the other and that's yeah. a wrap. That's uh that's rapture in a nutshell. <laughs> All right, well, we've uh, exhausted the plot, we've uh you know, taken it over the coals, talked about it, debated it. Let's talk about the characters. Um and the people who play them, mm-hmm. and uh, kind of look at their arcs. Like there again, we did this last week when we looked at uh, Cassidy and um, Ducat. We're going to do kind of a similar thing this week as well. Kind of look at where they're at, where they came from, where they're going, um, and does this episode really do anything for those particular characters? So mm-hmm. um, the first one is Wynn. This is the the first time that we've seen Kai Win, um, and I mean. She's in a ton of episodes, but um, in terms of all the ones that she's in, did you think that uh, this was kind of adding to her character, taking away from her character, uh, step in the right direction, step in the wrong direction? Uh,
1: I don't think it really did anything too significant with her character. I mean, I guess it is one of the rare times when we sort of kind of see a bit of a softer side other than the mischievous self-serving villain. Yeah, and
0: like I mentioned, I really liked that bit where she talked about when she was in the camps, because they didn't really talk about what happened to, like, the political figures and the religious figures, like, during that time. They all You always see it from, like, the resistance side of the thing, so I thought that was a nice little ad, but by the same token, this really isn't, like, a Kai Win episode, right? Like, this is no. totally a Cisco episode featuring Kai Wynn, so, um, I think that, again, this is another great performance by Louise Fletcher, um... She's such a good actress. Like, I we haven't really talked about her yet, but, um, like, that was a really good get for Deep Space Nine, I thought, anyway.
1: Yeah, yeah, I tend to agree. Like, she pretty, she plays that character really well. Um, do you know why, like, she must have been in some famous show, because it always says special guest star. Do you ever notice that?
0: Yeah, I think it's because she won an Oscar for um, One Full of the Nest. Wow. Yeah. I did not know that. So, I think she was, like, pretty young then. Have you ever seen that movie? I don't think so. Uh, I think that, um, I think she plays, like, the nurse. Because you know how like, Jack Nicholson's in a, uh, like, a mental institution? Yeah. So, there's, like, a one key figure nurse. And I think that she was, um, she was that, she was that nurse. And, uh, I think it was, like, Best Supporting Actress Oscar. Hmm. so that's why she's a special guest like she's right. obviously a lot older at this point but still a pretty big deal
1: yeah um, if you win an oscar i think you've earned the title of special <laughs> guest star on star trek exactly um all right
0: admiral Watley. i brought up admiral Watley um not because he has any particular art. i think this is the only time that we see him correct um, Yes. but i off it is kind of one of those fun things. It's always fun to see the admirals, um, and not an evil admiral either, which is also good to see. Not that we know of. Well, no, yeah, not in this particular episode. <laughs> so, my question to you is who is your favorite Deep Space
1: Nine admiral?
0: Let's see, there was Ross. There's not
1: a lot of, a lot of choices here.
0: There was Ross, there was Necheyev, there was Waddle. Well, Necheyev
1: was in like one episode, and she's more next generation.
0: No, I just thought she showed up at, in the, uh,
1: early on a couple of times. I think she was in the Maquis, and that was about it. Oh, okay. Um, Whatever. We, she, we'll count her, I guess.
0: Is uh, there any other admirals we can think of? There aren't that many. It's not that many.
1: It's all like Next Generation when there's like one every like three episodes. <laughs> that's like talking to Jean-Luc on the, the subspace radio. Right. Well, I'm going to take
0: Admiral Ross myself. Because he was actually almost like a like a side character really yeah in the last couple seasons
1: he's in a lot of episodes yeah and he's
0: like one of those guys that's just cooler than cool and he was not really well
1: I he got tangled up in some, some of that nasty business i really didn't like with that section 31 i know i didn't yeah. like
0: that up until then he would have been maybe best admiral ever but that yeah that
1: kind of spoiled him a little
0: bit he's a contender
1: yeah for, for best admiral ever yeah
0: uh, and then the eight so we talked about her a little bit. She's coming back from her prison stint. Um, what did you think of her in this episode, and um, is this kind of a
1: reset, or do you think this is kind of like a, a good step in the direction for her character? Well, coming back from prison, I, get, I mean, it brings her back into the picture, um... I don't know, I'm, I, I think the way they sort of approach this is almost like, you know what, maybe we shouldn't have, like, written her off the show, maybe right. she does still play, have a role to play here, because, I mean, we talked about how they don't even really mention her being in prison at all after this, like, it doesn't come up ever, I no, don't I think, so, um, I think maybe they sort of had, like, a moment of regret... <laughs> I, like, yeah. sort of, sort of half-writing her off the show and was like, no, we Dude. still need to have Cassidy eight. Right, they, still... they kind of
0: covered it by being like it was a six-month prison stay. Yeah. But then, yeah. didn't Garrett go to prison, too? What, do you, what did Garrett go for? I forget. I thought that he had, like, a little prison stay as well. Like, he did something that he had to, like, go for. I feel like Garrett's
1: while. way too smart to get, to get caught get and, get... Up that. <laughs> and go to jail. And I probably should have checked my
0: facts before I threw that one out um yeah Cassidy's pretty good in this episode and this is this is kind of um when we really start to see that like these two are going to be a couple like even oh yeah like it's it's pretty much locked in at this point she becomes more much more prominent as we go um so that was kind of it for the big cast
1: and characters Morn we don't need to talk about Morn he doesn't really do much in this one did you know that there's like a fun a running joke of like how long can we have mourn in the show and have him not say anything? It yeah. was like a, it was like a running gag.
0: Yeah, there's always kind of a running thing where like Cork is like, well, you know, more. and He never shuts up, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. Like those kinds of things. Or,
1: or there wasn't there one when. uh Morn, for some reason, was, like, running along the promenade, naked, rebelling, we're all gonna die, and Odo's, yeah. like, like, can you, like, he had Quark, like, in for questioning, he's like, why don't you tell us uh, why Morn was running around the promenade? Yeah, like,
0: there was always those <laughs> little in- jokes which were really, really funny, yeah. usually. Uh, and I remember there was an episode, too, where, like, he was gonna, like, tell his life story, and he, like, opens his mouth, and it's like, oh, wait, no, like, some other thing happened, <laughs> and, like, it was always getting interrupted.
1: Yeah, poor Morn
0: yeah it's that that is kind of a funny thing especially since like for such a like it's obviously norm from cheers, cheers right like a, yeah. and i mean for such like a silly thing they actually did a really good job of kind of it being a long long running game
1: and it didn't ever got stale like they didn't right. go to it too many times it was just like you know you sort of forget about it and then they you know bust out a morn joke yeah. and then yeah. it goes you know 15 episodes, 20 episodes, and right. then there's another you one. You just see him in the background. Yeah. It, right? yeah.
0: And actually, Moran's in Star Trek Online. Like, if you drive to Bejor and go to the Deep Space Nine, he'll be in the bar sitting there. <laughs> of course. And even if you talk to him and say, tell me a story, it kind of like hits it, and then like, it kind of goes to black, and then when it comes back, your character's like exhausted from hearing it, but you <laughs> don't actually get to see anything. <laughs> no, it's pretty good. Nice. Alright, so let's hit some odds and ends, some memorable scenes, some memorable quotes, and then uh, we'll give our final thoughts and a rating. So, um, just kind of some interesting little pieces. Some of these things are actually kind of some big talking points, but um, when Cisco's kind of going through the, that, uh, you know, that scene we talked about where he's going, and he's talking to everybody and stuff, he mentions to somebody um, from Livia... That the crops are going to you know be good this year. Yes. I guess that's like a throwback to like season one episode one when they actually mentioned that particular place in Bejew is having like the worst drought or something like that, and the plants oh. are horrible. So that was like a little Easter egg kind of thing.
1: Very um, Easter eggy, Yes, I had no idea. Yeah, Never would have picked up on that. And actually,
0: there's a lot of um, there's a lot of like emissary connections. Like when Cisco talks about holding. Um, jake it's very similar to um in emissary when he talks about what it was like to like have that profit um experience which i thought was kind of cool again another tie into emissary because i mean this is the fifth season so that's that's a long way back to have people remember yeah
1: that's going back a little ways yep (laughs) five years
0: so the other uh the other kind of interesting one i actually um it's uh it's a I don't remember this episode super, super well, but apparently Cisco goes back to Bahala in the episode called Reckoning.
1: Yes. Um, I don't really remember the Reckoning all that well either, but um, I think it does kind of, yeah, I do kind of remember that he did end up going back to Bahala. Yeah, and there was something like in the,
0: again, they find like a architect or something or uh, something in the stones, right, and then yeah, some off. I don't remember that one very well, but... This isn't just a one-off, and this was really hard. I was biting my tongue throughout, but this is the new uniforms. It is, yes. So this is uh, the first episode with the gray shoulders, uh, shoulders and then the science or engineering or uh, the red command underneath. Yeah. Um, So where do those sit for you in terms of, like, your... Ranking of uniforms.
1: Oh, I love those uniforms. Yeah, I think that was one of the best they ever did. Yeah, I think those are the best ones that they did. For yeah, I I, I really like them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, now, because
0: this is the first episode with the new uniforms, this opens up a Bashir conundrum. Did you think of that when you uh, were watching it or no? I didn't notice anything with Bashir. No. So, in a couple of episodes from now there is an episode where Worf and Quark and Garrick get captured by the Hadar, and they get put on this, like, prison. It's on an asteroid. Yes, okay. And they talk about this guy who's in solitary confinement, and he's, like, causing all this trouble or whatever. Yeah. And they open it up, and it's Bashir. And Bashir yes. is wearing the old-style, like, Voyager and Deep Space and early Deep Space Nine, like, uniform. Yep. Right? Yep. So that means that the Bashir in this episode has to be a changeling
1: that's correct right that's yeah you're right absolutely
0: so then the question becomes how did the changeling know how to do like that complicated synoptic brain surgery
1: he must have gone to starfleet medical <laughs> <laughs> he was um, very well prepared to impersonate uh, dr Bashir,
0: right and he obviously didn't want the he didn't want cisco to like die of Boy,
1: would they like to have a do over there? Uh, yeah.
0: Oops. <laughs> oopsie. Maybe they should have just, like, uh, yeah, wiped him out there. Um, do you think this is, like, a oopsie by the writers that they didn't really think of that or they thought later, that would be cool with Bashir and he's in the old uniform? Um, because, yeah, it means that this episode and the next episode, I think, is changeling Bashir.
1: Yeah, you know, I think maybe they just didn't. Um... I mean, I think the whole reason they put him in the old uniform was try to, like, hit home that he'd been there for a while. Right. And maybe they sort of got a little ambitious with that. Right. But, I or mean, they... I think it was, I mean, I think it was a very effective. Oh, so cool when he came out in the yeah. old uniform. Because yeah. you're like, oh, he's been there for, like, a For, like, now. a month or, or two months or what, yeah. Right, and yeah. again,
0: it's not during the time where people went back and actually, like, watched these things, like, so religiously, Right. Um, so yeah. it was kind of one of those things where um, yeah you wouldn't even have thought oh wait the last episode he did this right and yeah. if it was any other episode it probably wouldn't really matter if he was just kind of mulling it out but yeah. um, I thought that was really cool um, and actually the Admirals are all wearing the old uniforms though
1: the yeah, old like Admiral the, uniforms yeah like the next generation uniforms yeah
0: so I guess it's like they haven't rolled out those new Admiral uniforms with the big belt buckle <laughs> Like the Admiral <laughs> Ross with like the massive belt buckle,
1: those ones haven't been no, yet not, made yet. I'm not sure why they did that. Like, even in earlier D Space Nine, like, there's an episode where that takes place on Earth, mm-hmm. and the Admiral in that one, and, and actually, I think all of the officers were all wearing the old-style next-generation uniforms. So maybe it's like a Earth-slash-high-ranking officer thing.
0: Well, I think that what they wanted to do originally was they wanted to have like the starship people have like the TNG uniforms, and then because it was on a space station, it was more like a like a jumpsuit, yeah. And yeah. so, like, because you are gonna be like climbing in conduits and like reaching around and stuff like that, so they were like, if you are on a space station, you don't need like formal dress attire; you are just gonna have like a jumpsuit. Yeah, um, that, and makes that sense. actually makes because Picard still is wearing hit in his emissary episode yeah. and everything like that um and then they screwed it up with generations <laughs> right
1: <laughs> they screwed up a lot of things in <laughs> uh, uniforms
0: yes they definitely because do. If, if, if that was the case then it worked perfectly because you're right when they go to earth all the people at earth are wearing the like more formal ones yeah. and know these space nine guys are wearing the ones with the gray undershirts right but once voyager came about in generations it was just like that
1: yeah. Um, Did you notice that Cisco's was a little messed up? Like it was all tattered and stuff. No, they like they didn't like cut it right. Like the sh- the gray shoulder went like way too low, and he was wearing his communicator on the gray part.
0: You know, I did notice
1: that the one time. It didn't really look right. It yeah. Was, yeah, it looked way... It looked when he, right.
0: like, falls back, when he has the vest on underneath, especially, you can tell it's, like, not yeah, yeah, very I don't correct. Yeah, correct
1: I don't think they, like, measured right or something.
0: So, I mean, <laughs> that kind of leads us to the next thing. There is kind of, like, a little throwaway line that, like, the Defiant is off, like, needing repairs, because yeah. this is the episode that was, like, right around when First Contact came out. And so, once first contact wrapped, they took all the uniforms, dumped them on Deep Space Nine. They took all the Deep Space Nine uniforms, dumped them on Voyager. So there's like definitely like a hand me down <laughs> effect happening here. Um, did you, you did you pick up on the Defiant line or no?
1: I missed that. No, hey, I missed it. Yeah.
0: So I guess like the showrunners were not super duper happy with how they handled the Defiant in first contact because it just gets dummied by the yep. Borg ship. And so, they kind of just, like, begrudgingly, like, mentioned, oh, yeah, like, it's getting repairs, and then they kind of just left it at that. I think they yeah. mentioned one other time, like, oh, that nasty Borg incident, but there's... Yeah, there
1: was a one other, I think it might be in the next episode or the right. one after where Cisco's like, mentioned something about the recent Borg attack. Right. There was a line, yeah, there was a line, yeah, I, I know. Everybody but does. I think
0: they kind of wanted to leave it, like, yeah, that's that, this is this, and they kind of didn't want to, you know, yeah. kind of do too much with it um but i mean if you think about this is the quality of deep space 9 that you're getting and first contact is in theaters like was this the best time to be a star trek fan because this is like tng deep space 9 like voyager like it's firing all cylinders man late 90s yeah i'll
1: tell you it was pretty fun um you know uh, the we're in season five, so Voyager would have been season three, mm-hmm. and it was you know the first couple seasons were very hit or miss. of Voyager, and I think three and four is when it really started to get its legs. Yeah. So you know, Deep Space Nine is just about like on the cusp of getting really, exactly. really yeah. good, and Voyager is starting to get good. You know, First Contact was the best next generation movie by a long shot. So, I mean, it was, for someone who, like, lived through it, albeit at a fairly young age, like, it was pretty, it was pretty fun. You know, two, two nights a week, you're, you got a, you got new episodes, basically. Yeah, it's crazy
0: to think about now, because now it seems like so long between movies, and so long between seasons, right? So, it, uh, it is definitely, it's definitely, yeah, it's definitely a different time now than it was then. Um, do you have a favorite quote from the uh, from this episode?
1: You know, I, I usually can pick out something funny or unusual or just just generally good. There wasn't really a lot of one liners in this though. I can't even really think of any. Like there was some funny scenes. Like I remember there was um, one sort of classic Odo Quark scene where you know Odo's giving him the business because Quark's like Hollow Sweet shorted out and you know caused Cisco to be shocked and um you know Oda and know Oda or uh, quark is like well if i i tried to get my idiot brother Ron to fix them but chief o'brien's got him doing this and that and the other thing and he doesn't have time so uh, if anyone's being negligent here it's chief o'brien for not fixing my hollow suites yeah. you know so, but uh, i can't really think of a, any good like one-liners from this one uh, I had a couple, uh, there's a great Kai Wynn line when,
0: um, she gets to the station and Kira is there to greet her because, um, Cisco's off, um, doing something else. And she goes, you look very, and then she like looks down at like her pregnant stomach and is like, sweet. And then turns like on a ninety or 45 degree angle, <laughs> walks away like, just uh, like, you know, that's kind of like the jerky ant, you know, like, <laughs> just digging those screws in. Um, I thought that was a good one. Um, there's a line where Admiral Watley makes allusions that, um, Cisco found it by making a lucky guess, which I thought oh, was yeah. kind of funny. He made a lucky guess. Um, then, uh, there was the, I'll keep the champagne on ice, which was another Admiral Watley line. I liked that one a lot. Uh, but the one that I'm going to take this week is, uh, Kai Win line. And the line is, um you had your weapons to protect you. All I had was my faith. I thought that was a pretty cool line. Uh, again, that was in that scene where they were kind of having heart to heart. So, yeah. Um, but yeah, it was, uh, it was a pretty solid episode and uh, let's hear your final thoughts and give me
1: a rating out of five. Montaka Spires. I, this is a pretty good one. Um, I, I... I think it's sort of like a. I, think I used the term linchpin earlier on. I mean, it really sort of led to a lot of the good things that sort of happened in the later uh, seasons of Deep Space Nine. And, and it was interesting, like, you know, Cisco with his visions and, and um, you know, it was sort of a more in depth look at sort of Bajoran religion and culture. Um, so I, I think I'm going to go with uh, four Bantaka Spires out of five. How about you? Um, yeah, I'm right there with you. This is
0: a good one. I mean, it was, I watched it, like, once through and then kind of went back and watched some bits and pieces and it, like, it doesn't drag, it doesn't slow down, like, it's just a firecracker of an episode, it just goes boom, 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 the characters are all good, there's nothing that's really, like, eye rolly. sometimes you get, like, you know, the B-plot or something that's just, like, exhausting, but this was, like, there's no time for it, we are just going go, 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 go. Um, I don't think I'm gonna put it in my all-time like uh, platinum edition episodes, but I'm there right with you. A solid four out of five. Um, talk aspires. All right. Well, we're at the end of the line here, and it's everybody's favorite, most exciting, most tense part of the show where Very I. Very tense. Reach into the big straw hat and I pull out Matt a nice fresh episode for next week. Very fresh. Fresh indeed. So I'm just gonna dig in here and pull one out. I hope it's a good one. Ooh, it is the interesting ominous. one. Interesting. It's an oh, interesting one. Means- so it's the original series. Okay. Okay, so I know that you love the original series. It's season three, so we're getting to the end of the line, and it's almost right near the very end. It's episode number 23, All Are Yesterdays. All Are Yesterdays. So, um, if you are playing at home, this is the one time that I will ask you to pause the podcast, write down as much of it as you can possibly remember, any A plot, B plot, quotes, trivia, anything that you can think of under the sun, and then turn it back on and see how Matt does. Maybe uh, it will uh, jog your memory, or maybe you guys are on the same wavelength, which uh, is always the best case. So uh, put one minute on the clock, and... uh, I hope you're not on
1: the same wavelength, I'm not very confident about this one.
0: Okay, well, you've got one minute. Are you ready? Let's do it. Okay, and go. Uh,
1: I'm going to be totally honest here. I've, not, I've never seen this episode. I am not. I don't really have much clue what happens, but since it's uh, the title is Tomorrow Is Our Yesterdays, I'm going to guess it involves, involves Spock, McCoy, and Kirk going on some sort of time-traveling adventure. Where they maybe they go back in time to Earth and have to solve some problem. History's been altered, and they have to fix it. Uh, uh, let's see. What else can I throw in here that might get me some points? Uh, I'm gonna guess McCoy says, "I'm not a doctor. I'm a blank." At some point. <laughs> Spock nerve-pinches somebody, um, and Kirk uh, two-handed punches somebody in the back of the neck.
0: That's it. That's all I got. Okay. So, you're thinking it's time travel. You're thinking there's going to be a lot of classic Trek tropes. I mean, it is called All Our Yesterdays. I feel like I vaguely remember that there is... I guess there was Yesterday's Enterprise that was a that was a tng episode yep and i feel like there was an episode of the animated series that was about yesterday's as well i i think you're right i think it's kind of like something happens a big accident big explosion sends them back in time and they kind of meet up with a society and they um you know they go through the, the the whole like you know back in time thing um and they have to set it back right it's Ah, it's a tough one, eh? Um, I guess we'll have to wait and see. So, uh, you know what? Run to Netflix, run to your DVD collection, run to wherever you watch your Star Trek, and watch along with us as next week we watch the original series all our yesterdays
1: or will it be yesterday that we watch
0: oh will it be yesterday maybe maybe, maybe it'll be tomorrow show is brought to you by Sweet media computer list other available Sweet media programs loading Sweet preview program for her first trek a star trek review podcast you, have you ever, ever heard of the Spock?
1: no but i'm just you're doing the hand movements so i know exactly what so it i
0: used to work for a guy brilliant guy good good mate who used to joke about spocking people this and it was like if you didn't if you didn't bust your ass in work he was going to spock you
1: oh Oh, that's... Oh.
0: I mean, nowadays, you couldn't really say that stuff. No. And you can only assume, if you put yourself in the... If you do the Live Long and Prosper uh, gesture, imagine, look at the hand, and if it's used in a sexual context of how one might be spocking someone. So you might be entering two different places, so to speak.
1: I think you should edit this out.
0: Loading Holosuite Preview Program 4, The Janeway, a Star Trek Voyager podcast. I mean, there's no COVID 19 in 2370 something. No, but you don't know what and germs he has. Oh, he
1: he might might be a carrier. I don't know. I just thought it was gross. I'd have just used the spoon. I'd he
0: carries like... the pon far. <laughs> oh,
1: Neelix with ponfar. Neelix with ponfar, <laughs> Suzanne. Why have you just made this something that's in my brain?